Hello. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good to see you. All right. What an awesome day. I guess we get 57 degrees and sunshine today. That's pretty exciting, right? You're like, I know. What am I doing sitting in here? I need to be outside. We should have had service outside today. How many of you are partaking in this wonderful tradition called March Madness? Filled out a bracket? All right. How many of you yesterday, your bracket just went into the the toilet from one particular game. Yeah, that, that was me. I'm watching it thinking like, I'm trying to be careful because I know somebody here didn't fill their bracket out yet whose initials are Kyle Dale. And, and so I don't want to give too much specific detail about the ways that, so I don't want him to you know, win our pool or anything, but I, I, I wasn't going to do it. And then Mark sent me a bracket on email and the stakes are really high. We have no money on it. It's just all honor and pride, which for us guys is really all that, it, that matters, right? Who can pick totally random basketball games on a piece of paper better than the other guy. We'll make a competition on it. I I used a highly uh, scientific methodology to make sure and pick the winners. It's called guessing. (laughs) I don't care what anybody else says. That's what we're all doing, right? Well, this team has this strategic RPI uh, decimal point by the defensive metric. You're just guessing. Yeah, you just know how to say I'm guessing in a more intelligent way. Well, uh, welcome to church today. So excited about all the things that are happening uh, that God is doing at Joy Church, and as, as David did a great job telling us on April 15th, we are going to have a, hel- a helicopter drop Easter eggs from the sky for the kids. Yes, it's exciting. And we wanted to do that just to bless the community, not just to bless the kids at Joy Church, even though we definitely want to do that, but we want to just do something that's really fun to just show God's love and show that, that it can be fun to, to serve Jesus and just bless our community. So we're going to be doing that. Location is is Somewhat still to be determined, but it looks like we're going to be doing that at Marist High School on April 15th, so that'll be exciting to do that. And then Easter's coming up the next day, April 16th, really excited about that. We're going to be having some invite cards that we, we make available for you to invite friends and, and family, and just want to see this place packed out, filled up with people that to hear the message of Jesus, right? To hear the gospel. How many of you are glad that the gospel came to you? Those of you that are followers of Jesus, you are glad that someone opened up a seat for you or a place at the table or uh, invited you because somehow all of us came in through someone else, right? Kind of midwifing us into God's family, bringing us, uh, letting us hear the gospel. And so we want to make that available for people. One of the things that's going to happen on Easter Sunday is we're going to actually go to two services. So we're going to have a nine o'clock service here and a 1030 service. So that might mess some of, some of your rhythms up with, you know, what time you eat your grapefruit in the morning and what time you go to Starbucks. But we, we're doing that because we want to just make more space available for people to hear the message of Jesus. Can, I, can you get behind that? Yeah. It's exciting. If you're here today for the first time, I want to thank you for being here at Joy Church. This is just a great group of people that, that know we need Jesus. And uh, hopefully you won't find anybody who kind of gives you the church lady or church guy look looks at you sideways or whatever, because all of us are sinners in need of a Savior, and you are just so welcome to be here. We want to help your, your day just be as good as it possibly can be, and, uh, and just so you know, at Joy Church, you are totally welcome to eat popcorn during the sermon. So if you want to go out and get some popcorn or, uh, you know, gumdrops, or what do they sell at movie theaters anymore? It's about $19. I know that, but <laughs> sorry, Joe. Sorry, he's the manager. Sorry, Joe. Don't. Somehow we lost our rental here. I don't know what happened. But if you take out that second mortgage on your house, you can get some candy and you can eat it uh, at service. Well, today I want to share a message with you called Let It Go. Somebody say, Let It Go. go. And wives, you can kind of nudge your husband and say, Let It Go. 
right? Because there's, there's something they're holding on to. Every morning I, I go in and I, I go through this small torture. I go into the bathroom and I weigh myself on a scale. And I say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I, I don't want to know. I, 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 want to, I want the ugly reality. Sometimes it's a good number, but I, I went on this kind of weight loss journey in 2015, ended up losing a bunch of weight. Um, this svelte, skinny, young person. I'm actually a fat guy on the inside still. So sometimes I, I look at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, who is that person? Oh, my goodness. But I went on this weight loss journey in 2015, and so I got in this habit of weighing myself. Some would call it OCD. I call it discipline. And... Uh, and I go in and I weigh myself. I want to see if I'm lighter than I was yesterday because that's the goal of weight loss, right? If you go in and you weigh five more pounds than you did the day before, you're not, you're not doing it right. Uh, people are like, no, the trick is with dieting is you got to eat all steak and butter, no sugar. N- no. Well, the trick is you got to cut out everything but kale. Yes, you will lose weight. You'll also lose your mind. You know, you go on this diet, oh, the only thing you can't eat again is anything that tastes edible. Right? How many of you are like, ugh, that's the problem with dieting. But if you go in and I weigh myself on the scale and I, and I weigh more than I did the day before, that's not a good thing. I, obviously, I was holding on or putting some things inside that caused me to gain weight. So the goal is to leave lighter, right? That that, that day when I, when I get on the scale that I would be a little bit less than I was the day before or this week a little bit less than I was the week before. And that's the very same goal today after this message is that we would all leave a little bit lighter. Hopefully we'd all lose a little bit of weight. Can I get an amen for that? <clears throat> I won't be preaching long enough for you to lose weight, just in case you were nervous. You know, It's a six-hour sermon, so you're going to lose some weight. No, but the goal today is that God is going to reveal something to each and every one of us that we are supposed to let go of, not hold on to anymore, but let it go. I'm going to talk about a couple of key areas, and that we would all leave this place lighter than we walked in. Lighter in our soul, lighter in our spirit, lighter in our minds, lighter in in every way, more free, just more free. You know, a lot of us are carrying around this backpack full of stuff that God didn't put upon us, that we were not made to carry, and we're walking around with this big backpack and we wonder why we're, we're a little bit tired and why we're kind of discouraged and why things just seem a little bit harder than maybe they should be. And the reality is that most people are carrying around a bunch of baggage that they were never meant to intend, and it's time to let it go. And I believe that after this message today, not because of what I say, but because of what God can do in your life, what God can do in your heart, that all of us are going to walk out of this theater a little bit lighter. You know, our culture is so much about grabbing hold of things. If you, if you watch TV, uh, you know, I don't really hardly do this ever anymore, but, if you, but during March Madness I am, watching TV and then you get commercials, Right? And all the commercials are telling you all the things that you need in your life. Like, how could you possibly live without this medication? It only has 19 negative side effects and one positive. How could you possibly live without the the new Toyota? How How could you possibly be happy without this house or this product or this vacation or this surgery? How could you possibly make it? And everything's about grabbing hold and, and, and acquiring things, right? And, and our culture is all about holding on to things. But then you see a show like Hoarders. <laughs> How many of you are like, I'm on my way to that right now, just being honest, you know? 
Like, like if you walk into your house and you have to, you know, push aside dead bodies and cats and carcasses and things to, to get in, and you need to clean it up. You need to let it go, right? How many of you know somebody in your life who just needs to let some stuff go? Well, this is my collection of, you know, uh, China. It's, it's all broken. Well, yeah, but it really means something to me. It's, it's garbage. You need to let it go, right? And if you've watched the show Hoarders, it kind of gives us this image of somebody who just really is struggling with letting something go. Now, most of us aren't in that place physically. If you are, get some help, right? We want to help you get some, I don't want to help you do it, but somebody wants to help you clean it up. I'm too OCD. I don't want to walk into a place like that. Uh, I'm, too, I'm working on my own hoarding tendencies here, right? Leave me alone. Okay, but anyways, the, maybe, maybe your physical house doesn't look like that, but what does the house of your heart look like? Have you, have you been holding on to things that you need to let go is it dirty when you get into kind of your, your mental space, your soul space, when it's just you all by yourself in the silence or maybe, maybe you and God in your, time, your quiet time? What, what does it feel like in there? Is it too cluttered? Are there things that you need to clean out? Get this image that, you know, when, when you watch that show, Hoarders, they, some of the people can't actually break through, but sometimes they have a breakthrough and they're able to get, start getting stuff cleaned out. And it's amazing what it, do, what it does to that person. It's like a spiritual experience when there's cleanliness, when there's space. Because we weren't made to be weighted down with a bunch of stuff that we're supposed to let go of, right? I had a friend who went water skiing for the first time. And so I was with my aunt and uncle. They had this really nice ski boat. And I think we were actually doing kneeboarding that day. And I am the worst water sports person ever because I don't like sports or the water. You know, is it physical activity? I'm out. Is it water or is it outside? There's, if they invent an indoor lake, then I'll be there. But because it's outside, and there's actually animals in that water. Did you know that? Like snakes and fish. I just wanted to make you aware of that in case you weren't sure. But anyways, we were out there, and uh, we're on the lake, and my friend is kneeboarding, and he falls off. And apparently someone had forgotten to give him this instruction that when you, like, lose the thing that's helping you slide across the water, let go of the rope. Because apparently he thought he would die and drown in the lake. You know, he would just be gone if he didn't hold on to the rope. I don't know what he was thinking, that he was going to climb his way back into the boat. But he wouldn't let go. And so my friend Caleb is there, and he falls off, and he's holding on. And this individual, my friend, he ha- God has gifted him with a relatively large head. <laughs> and he probably to fit all the brains in there. I don't know, but he has a large noggin, you know. And so... His head was, was, there was a plume of water, like a good 10 feet tall, and his mouth was wide open. And he's holding onto this rope, and, you know, hitting away. We're like, let it go! Let go of the rope! Let it go! And he's holding on for dear life. Finally, we had to stop the boat. He never let go. He just held on. He just pressed through, persevered. Some of us, that's how our life looks with different things. But sometimes you just got to let it go, right? Trust the process. Trust God. Let go of the rope. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is going to be our text for today. He said, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, and to be politically correct, sisterin, I do not count myself. Thank you, I got one laugh. I do not count. Was that Tammy? I can always count on you, Tammy. She's there for me. This is what a disciple of Jesus looks like. The person who laughs at all the pastor's corny jokes. Someone get her some popcorn. Okay. 
I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me read that last phrase again. Forgetting those things which are what? Behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Did you know that God has something incredible in store for each and every one of us? And if you're holding on to something that you're not supposed to be, you can't take hold of that thing that Christ Jesus has for you. If you've got a hold of a sinful lifestyle, and there's some behaviors that you simply refuse to let go of, maybe you're even at a place where there's an addiction there, or whatever that looks like, but something that's in your life and you won't let go of that, it's stopping you from grabbing hold of that for which Christ laid hold of you. Maybe for you, you're holding on to another person that hurt you, that spoke hurtful words, or or did something even worse to you, molested you, abused you. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a, a spouse that left you high and dry. I don't know, but it's somebody and you're still holding on to them. And that thing is in your past. It's, it should be in the rearview mirror a long time ago, but actually it's sitting right there in the car with you and it's stopping you. Holding on to that person is stopping you from grabbing hold of that thing that God has for you, that upward call of God in Christ. Maybe for you, it's just your life, that you're just so busy trying to attain success, security, comfort, whatever that looks like. And so you're filling everything. All your arms are always full of stuff and you're always frantically trying to add more to your arm load. And God's like, hey, let it go. Put that burden down. You weren't made to carry that. You don't need to worry about taking care of yourself. I'll take care of you. Why don't you seek my kingdom? Why don't you seek my face? Why don't you follow me? Because there's a purpose that you were made for. And if we're holding on to something that we're not meant to be holding on to, then we can't grab hold of what God wants us to grab hold of. We can't grab hold of that thing that we were literally made for. I love what it says in Philippians here. I press on that I may lay hold of that. I might grab hold. I might get a grip on something. That thing for which Christ has also laid hold of me. In other words, Jesus reached down and grabbed each of us Wherever we were at that moment, he put his hand on our life and he grabbed hold of us for a purpose. And that thing, that purpose is what we want to be able to get our hands on and live for, right? That purpose that we were made for, that thing that makes your heart sing, that that thing where, where God, he formed and fashioned you, that mission he gave you, that dream he put in your heart, that if you're holding on to other things, it's going to stop you from grabbing hold of that. And so today I want to give you three things that we need to let go of today with the goal of leaving this place a little bit lighter, or a lot lighter, because God can do something great, can't he? Number one, sin. Now, this is kind of the easy one. I know we all expect to go to church and be told that we're not supposed to sin. I'm not here to tell you to change your behavior. I'm here to tell you to give your heart to the one who can change your heart, and then your behavior will change. But sin is something that will stop us. If we're holding on to sin, it will stop us from grabbing hold of what God has for us. And I just want to give you this simple definition of sin today. Sin is anything that we try to satisfy our heart with other than God. You know, I think a lot of times we like to play this game where we we compare ourselves to other people. And you're like, am I a sinner? Yeah, I'm a sinner, but you know, I'm not that bad. I didn't murder anyone. I've never robbed a bank. I've never beat up anybody and stolen their lunch money. 
because I wasn't born in the 50s, you know. <laughs> Sorry for those of you that were born in the 50s. I like that joke. Thank you. I love you. You know, I've never done anything really, really bad, so I'm not that bad. No, no. It, maybe, maybe for you, when you get stressed, you just drink a little bit too much, and that's how you sort of calm yourself. Maybe, maybe when you get tired and stressed out, you kind of take it out on your family. Maybe for you, you're just a little negative at work. Maybe you're like, oh, my friend's at work. And then you get out with the other coworker and, oh, yeah, this person and that person. And, and you just gossip. I mean, whatever you, you really are filling your life with, whatever you're trying to satisfy your heart with other than God, that thing is sin. Sin simply means missing the mark. So if you're not perfect, you've sinned. I've sinned, right? Anything I try to satisfy my heart with other than God, And if that kind of rings a bell for you, that's something that you need to let go of. And you know, sin is a deceitful master. It says in in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be, be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Now I'll come back to that in a second, but but sin is a deceitful master. See, sin tells you. Well, you're in control. You can drink this. You can, you can smoke this. You can kiss this. You can touch that. You can watch this. You can do something that will make you feel a certain way, and you're totally in control. But how many of you have found out that sin, you, you give it an inch, but it takes a mile? You're in for a penny, but now you're in for a pound. You were talking to that coworker, and you know, you're a married man, and maybe, maybe your sex life at home isn't all that you thought it was going to be for whatever reason, and you think the grass is greener on the other side, so you start having conversations, and all of a sudden, you know, this, this lady, she starts more and more, and all of a sudden, you make decisions that change the, com- the, the whole complexion of your life, and you didn't, you didn't mean for it to go there, but it does go there because sin is a deceitful master. Sin is like a fire that once you light it, you don't get to pick where it goes, It's kind of being like, well, I lit that forest fire, but I only wanted it to burn two acres. You just burn down a whole state. You know, you don't get to decide. When you start it, it starts like that snowball thing rolling, and you don't, you can't even imagine the results that have happened. How many of you have experienced this? Well, I was just drinking with friends. I was, you know, we were just having fun. We were just laughing. And 10 years later, when you, when you can't stop drinking, was it worth it? And we go, no, it wasn't worth it. But now I'm, I'm locked into this. And I'm not saying this to be judgmental. I mean, we all have experienced this. I've experienced firsthand the results of when I get sin started, it doesn't stop. Right? It's a deceitful master. I think I'm in control, but I'm not in control. It actually is in control of me. And what happens is we get deceived by sin. But then something even worse happens. And it says it here in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 3. You must warn each other while it's still called today so that you won't be deceived by sin. And listen to this part, and hardened against God. Sin is a liar. It deceives us. It promises something that it can't deliver and then it leaves us broken, right? But then what what happens that is even worse than the deceitfulness of sin and even the results of sin is that it actually hardens our heart against God. When you're pressing into sin, it begins to harden your heart against God and it stops you from receiving God's love and from receiving his guidance. And what happens when you stop hearing from God and receiving from God is you begin to break down and you're at the core of who you are and you lose your sense of identity. A lot of people are walking around completely deceived. They don't know that they are a son or a daughter of God. 
Because sin has deceived them and hardened their hearts. We've all been in this place, haven't we? When I give in to sin, when I hold on to sin, it deceives me. It will ultimately destroy me. But even worse is it stops the only person from getting to me, not because God's stopping, but because it stops me from being able to receive, from asking for his help. And it hardens me off from the only solution that exists, which is God. And I begin to break down and I lose my sense of sonship and I forget who I am. Did you know why a lot of people are living in sin? Because they don't know who they are. They simply do not know who they are. If we had a clear sense of our identity in God, this is who I am. This is who I was made to be. I am loved, right? I am, I am a treasure of God. I have a destiny. If we knew our identity, there would be a lot of things that wouldn't even be a temptation anymore. You know, there's a difference. Like a lot of, a lot of you have really nice cars. You know, I have a nice car. It's a 2003 Volkswagen, and it runs, right? which is great. That's exciting. But my Volkswagen, you know, we got three kids. Right now we want a used car, used house, used life because my kids destroy everything, right? (laughs) Literally any place that a McDonald's french fry can go, they found it. My daughter was stuffing goldfish crackers into the recliner at our house, you know, into the arm of the recliner. And I'm just watching her like, what are you doing, right? (laughs) She's not even two years old and she's already destroying everything. So I, my, we have our car, and we love our car because it's meant to just get messy because we got three little kids. Come on. And so I don't want like a brand new tooth. I mean, I do want it. Okay, let me just. <laughs> I do want it. Okay, but 2017 brand new BMW, you know, leather seats and, and a missile launcher and all the cool stuff they come with now. You know, I, that, that thing I'm not going to let kids eat McDonald's french fries in it. I'm not going to let them do, Evie do her makeup in that car because I know what it is. I'm not going to let stuff go on in that car. I'm going to keep that thing. I know my identity. This is what I'm driving around. Now you might know where I'm going with this. If you knew what you were, really, so many things, you'd say, I'm not going to settle for this relationship. Ladies, you're not going to go try to find the most broken dude who's abusive and, and demeaning and sexist and a, and a total pig. Because you're a princess. You're a daughter of the king of heaven and earth. Come on, somebody. And so when you know your identity, you're going to really say, look, I'm not going there. Young men, when you know your identity, there's things you're not going to do. I'm not going to be looking at pornography, not because I feel guilty, but because these are princesses. These are daughters of God. I know their identity, and I know who I am. I'm a prince. I'm a gentleman. Right? I'm called to be more. I'm called to be a protector and a provider. Not somebody who takes advantage. When you know your identity, it's a, it's a huge block to sin. But listen, when you're hardened against God, you lose your sense of identity, and then you lose your sense of destiny. This is what I was made for. This is who I am. So sin, we got to let it go. we got to let it go. we got to say, God, what is in my life that I'm trying to satisfy my heart with other than you? What is that thing? Maybe you go, I can think of ten. Don't worry about ten. Think about one today. Because you're not the one who can change your heart, it's God. But can you loosen your grip on that thing? And, and maybe for you, it starts with just admitting, like, I have a problem with this. Just, just today, as we have a response time at the end, Lord, I have a problem with this thing, I'm going to give it to you. Sin, I want to let go of it. It's not helping me. It's not who I am. I was made for more. I'm going to let go of this sin. Number two, I'm going to come at you right now, all right? We've got to let go of other people. You know, it's so easy to look like a Christian and have unforgiveness. 
But you can't be a Christian and have unforgiveness. You can look like a Christian and have tons of unforgiveness, but you cannot be a Christian and have unforgiveness. I mean, Jesus said it. It's, probably, it's one of the most clear scriptures in the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you want to know the, the sense of that in Greek? If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's the true sense. There's no nugget here. It's all on the surface. There's no, what's the hidden meaning? Forgive people, or God won't forgive you. So it's easy to look like you're a Christian. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm a Christian. I serve Jesus. I go to church on Sundays. If you're holding on to someone else for something they've done to you, you are blocking God's forgiveness for you. And Jesus said it. This isn't Jake. This is Jesus, okay? I'm just reading you what he said. Someone once said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. Right? And that doesn't work. It does not work. With our kids all the time, we're trying to help them not drink poison. Jack came up to us last night and said, I ate a penny. <laughs> Quoted scripture to him, this too shall pass. unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison hoping somebody somebody else dies. I'm so mad at them, maybe they can feel it over there. That person I'm mad at in Medford, hopefully they can feel it down there. I'm so angry at them. They can't feel it. They're going on with their life. It doesn't work. Have you ever met somebody who was really bitter? Did you just love them? You know, I really appreciate you telling me all the garbage about your relationship with this person over here. I'd love to just go out to dinner and just hear all the bad stuff you have to say about them. That would be great. No! Nobody likes bitter people unless it's you. Come on. Right? It's like, when I'm bitter, it's so justified. Well, Justin Crossland, he did this. You sit on the front row, it's just what happens, you know. This is what he did to me, and these are all the things, and isn't that wrong? And like, what's, what, I'm, I'm holding on to this, and, and I feel so justified, and what I'm saying is interesting, and it's captivating, and everybody else is like, shut up. We don't care. We're sorry that bad things happened to you. Bad things happen to everybody, because we live in a fallen world. Do you know how to know if you're going to ever deal with this unforgiveness thing? You're alive. Correct? Jesus said, offenses will come. Not they might, they will. They will come. You will get offended. Someone that you don't like will get something that they didn't deserve. Somebody will do something to you. You will get offended. That's called being a human being. And you can hold on to it and let that thing drag you down or you can let it go. Now, I'm not saying that really bad things don't happen to people and that there's not a process that we have to walk through of healing. But but this is the thing. We have to give up this illusion that our unforgiveness is going to change anything. All it does is change us for the worse. If you went to a bad restaurant and you got bad food, why would you take the leftovers home? (laughs) Yeah, went and tried this place out, got food poisoning. It was the worst. Oh, man, yeah, you want some? I got the leftovers in the fridge. I'm going to pass. I'm actually going to go eat a penny with my son instead of that. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, this is how you pray. Lord, forgive me my debts as I forgive those who owe me a debt. It doesn't have to be 
this major thing. It's just saying, keep my heart clean and continue to let go of people. If you want to receive God's forgiveness, then we have to release others. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. Now, we're laughing, we're joking, but I know right now, for some of us, there's a little bit of a push pin at a part, and it, it stings when we talk about forgiveness, because we know, well, that person did this to me. You're right, they did. And did you know that Jesus also paid for that on the cross when he, when he died for you? He died for that person. You know, you think about all the people that have really, like, piled up a lot of sins, the ones we all really love to hate, like Hitler. You know, Jim Gaffigan said nobody, people dress their kids up like pirates and stuff at, at, at Halloween, but nobody dresses their kid up as Hitler. You know, little Billy, he's a pirate. I know they were murderers and rapists, but we, he's a pirate. Isn't he cute? You know, yellow mustache. Nobody brings Hitler, though. Like, yeah, he's just Hitler. Isn't he cute? Nobody does that. <clears throat> so just don't do that for Halloween. But we have these people that we just love to hate. Like, Hitler's everybody's favorite. Oh, he's the worst. He sucks. You know what I mean? I, I have a German ethnicity, so maybe I'm, like, a little bit bitter about this. But no, I'm not. But Hitler sucks. He does. But... We all want to pile on to these people, but do you realize that Jesus paid for every sin that Adolf Hitler committed? That even Hitler could have said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I, I confess my sins and I'm asking you to forgive me, and Jesus would forgive him. He already paid for all sin. Jesus on the cross took all sin, became sin, past, present, and future. He took everything upon himself at the cross. And so when I'm holding someone else accountable, I'm going to hold on to that sin and say, you still owe me. That's why Jesus can't forgive you because you're screwing up the accounting here. He says, no, 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 I already paid for that sin. Now what you need to do is, if, is receive the justice and forgiveness that I already provided for you. Now, let me just tell you right now, are there injustices that go on? Yes. There are injustices that take place and there's no recompense or reconciliation of that justice that we can observe right now. But when Jesus comes back, he is going to reconcile all the accounts. And, and his justice will be seen, right? But aren't you glad that God is merciful and that we, he's given us an opportunity to, to let Jesus actually pay for our debts? Don't hold on to other people. And we're going to have an opportunity to respond to this message at the end. And I believe for some of you, for some of us, this is an issue that we hold on to others and we need to let them go right now, today, and leave this place lighter. Get that backpack off your shoulders. Number three, third thing, we need to be willing to let go of our life. You know, this is interesting because it manifests in so many ways and it's so easy to sanitize, but we spend a tremendous amount of effort, energy, thought, money, everything on just ourselves, our life, protecting, making it better, improving, a better house, a better car, a better marriage, a better this, a better that, these kind of kids, this kind of thing, and just me, me, me. It's just our life, everything surrounding this. But Jesus, he said in Matthew chapter 16 to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Selfish doesn't always mean doing something that other people are mad about. It just means you put yourself first. A lot of us are really good at being selfish and not looking selfish, right? We just make sure that everything in our life sort of comes back and, and benefits us in some way. But he says, you must turn from that, your selfish ways, and take up your cross and follow me. If you try, and this is the part I want us to look at, if you try to hang on to your life, holding on, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And Jesus goes on. It's one of the most profound 
statements of life and philosophy. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And the, the implication there is no. There's nothing worth more than your soul. And what Jesus is saying is that oftentimes what we put the target on, whether it's success or safety or comfort or whatever sort of mark we've set to, to get to and we're holding on to our life and building our own thing and working on our career or our family or ourself or our body or whatever it is for us, where we think that's what's really going to do it for me. Those are not worthy targets of life. And the reality is that when I am the arbiter, I'm the decider, the judge of the value of my life and what I'm going to put what I'm going to pursue and do. And if it's me, if I'm at the center of that, then I'm missing something and actually I'm in danger of losing my soul. And the only way to get this right is to lay it down and say, you know what? I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to offer my life to Jesus and say, there's no closed doors. There's no off limits areas. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll be whoever you want me to be. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Jesus, I give you my life. We talk about giving our life to Jesus and we Equate that with praying a little prayer. Oh, Jesus, I confess my sins. Please forgive me. Be my Lord and Savior. Those words should pierce us to the deepest part of our heart and soul and affect us at a level of our actions. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, does he have access to everything? Or is your career off limits? Well, I need to work this many hours and I need to do this. You need to or you choose to. You decide who's Lord of your life. And I'm not saying you're doing something wrong. I'm just asking you to answer that question for you because I have to answer it for me. You know how dangerous it is to be a pastor? I can disguise living for my own things underneath the guise of helping other people. It's very dangerous. What if I neglect my wife and my kids? Well, I was serving the church, so haven't I done the right thing? No. So each of us has to answer this question for ourselves. Who really has the keys to your life? Who's really the boss? And Jesus says, I want to invite you into something more. Because you see, we have this idea of what happiness and success and, and we're just completely missing it. It's like we don't even have a concept. You know, with my kids, it's, it's so amazing to see as they grow and develop how their concepts develop, but it's funny how they don't always get it. Like, we'll be like, okay, kids, get your, get your shoes on, get your pants on, get your finger out of your nose, take that penny out of your mouth, you know. And that's Jack with his little sister, Penny. Get, get it, you know. <laughs> we're getting them ready. We're going to go somewhere, and they're like, no, I want to watch this show. Well, we're getting ready to take them to ice cream. No, but I want to watch the show. And we have this big throwdown, and then we're like, you don't even understand what we have for you. How many times do we do that with God? We're fighting and kicking and screaming, oh, this is my life, this is my career, this is everything, this is all that I, and we're holding on for dear life and we're basically holding on to that rope and that boat is dragging us through the lake. And God is saying, let it go. Let it go. Let go of your life. Be willing to lose it. Say, Jesus, I'm all in. I give it all to you. Because you are the sole satisfier. What would it profit us to gain the whole world? What if you accomplished everything that you set your mind and your heart to? But all of a sudden you realize that there's a bankruptcy at the core of who you are. So you as an individual are sitting externally in success, but you realize that internally there's brokenness. You can't even enjoy what you've just acquired for yourself. 
So many different people have actually gotten to this level of success where they had everything that all the rest of us said, well, if I had that money or that success or fame, it'd be great. And they're so bankrupt on the inside that a lot of them take their own life because there's just bankruptcy. And then there's people that are sitting in a hut somewhere in the dirt, but they have the internal, their soul is intact. And they're okay. And Jesus says, listen, you're deceived by what you see, but don't be deceived. Give your life to me. Lay it down. That's how you'll save it. He's the soul satisfier. He has the water of life. He has hope. He has love. He has truth. He has justice. Jesus has everything that you really want, even if you don't realize it at the moment. I want to leave you with two, quick, two key questions on this topic just to kind of process through. Number one, what gets the majority of my time, energy, finances, and attention? What gets the majority of my time, energy, finances, and attention? Sometimes we don't know what we're really living for until we start writing it down. You know, you go to your bank account and you look at your ledger and you see like, where does the majority of my, where does the majority of my treasure go to, my, my money? Where does the majority of my time go? Where does the majority of my attention and focus go? And as we begin to kind of map that out, we'll get, start getting a clearer picture of what we're really living for. Are we holding on to our own life or really living for something else? Second question after that one is this. Is that thing, the thing that my time and attention and finances, the majority goes to, is it eternally valuable? Is it eternally valuable? There's a very short list of things that are eternally valuable. valuable. Most of the stuff that we give the majority of our time to is not. Sometimes I'll be sitting in bed and I'll be on my iPad and I'm just looking at sports or playing a game or whatever. And that's okay. It's not a sin. Just sitting there hanging out. And I'll look over and I'll see my wife and I'll realize, hmm, I just lost 30 minutes of time with my beautiful wife. We just celebrated 10 years of marriage this week. very lucky man. And uh, she hasn't killed me yet or let me go. Her message today is hold on. Just hold on. Everybody else let it go. Bethany, you hold on. But I'll look over and I'll realize like I just squandered some, some time that I could have put into this relationship with my wife and she's so much more valuable. You know, I think today, I hope you don't feel any judgment or criticism. I just want us to answer this question for ourselves. Is what I'm doing on a daily basis eternally valuable? Or, or is, it a, is it a misguided focus, a misguided target? Because odds are, this is what I want to leave you with today, that there's something that we need to let go of today, right now, so that we can grab hold of what Jesus has for us. The enemy likes to deceive us, Satan. He, li- he likes to deceive us. If he can get you into like hard drugs or like you know murdering somebody, he'll, he'll get you there. But, but for most of us, that's not what he even does. He just, he just makes us waste our life on things that don't matter. Just holding on to things a little bit too tight, not letting go. Holding on to other people. Not, not the sins that necessarily trip the, the radar so much, but those things that are actually even almost worse because they, they go hidden, they go unseen. And the word of the Lord for us today is that there's something. Maybe it's all three of these things. Don't worry about that. Just pick one a person that you need to forgive, a sin you need to let go of, but there's something 
that I need to let go of today so I can grab hold of Jesus and all that he has for me, that thing that he laid hold of me for.